0: john wait john wait john how are you coming to us from toledo ohio is that you Toledo? Where? yeah we're on the road
1: we played last night and um we're on our way to michigan tomorrow we've got a day off today
0: and how's the weather in toledo ohio uh
1: there's a big storm coming in
0: oh no really are you serious
1: yeah a really big uh, thunderstorm so we've been out for some indian food for lunch and it's going to be one of those nights in with the TV and maybe order a pizza or something.
0: How was how the Indian food in Toledo, Ohio, I'm afraid to ask.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, it was absolutely. You are know, serious? Yeah. Well, why wouldn't it be? There's a lot of Indian people live in Toledo. Is and that uh, so? Yeah. And the food is, it was incredible. The whole band, um, you know, it was like, I'll take a medium curry and all that kind of thing. And I said, give me the real Indian deal. And, um, wow. Yeah. You
0: ate it spicy?
1: Yeah. And it was kind of like um, a fight for survival. We, you know, <laughs> It was like, you know, I, I drank three pints of Coca-Cola. You know, Are you I, still burning? Yeah. <laughs> and it's going, it's going to burn. Yeah. It's um, it's going to be interesting. But it was great food. Really great food.
0: Oh, that's good to know if I'm ever in Toledo, Ohio. So yeah. how, how life on the road. Is it the same or different uh, pre pandemic? What's it like now being out there?
1: Um,
2: well, I don't know. I, I,
1: I'm two years older. So uh, <laughs> it's more measured. You know, it, there's a lot less chaotic. I mean, everything seems to be calmer and uh, almost methodical, you know, getting there, checking in, sleep. Um, sobriety at this point you know okay
0: well, I wanted to talk to you about that I'm really proud of you congratulations uh, you.
1: Yeah.
0: on yeah. doing that do you do you feel different uh
1: yeah I feel uh, like I'm getting a lot done there's a like lot that. going on but uh, instead of sort of like um charging at it like you know okay I gotta do this it's like I see the detail and I I enjoy you know the work of making things happen and I think- How lovely uh, is that? Sorry?
0: How lovely is that? But you were yeah. always very productive. You've been, you're a very productive person between well, yeah, the yeah, and your music.
1: It, You know, you're on the road or you're like dealing with interviews and, and you got to get this done by four o'clock or you've got to be in the next town by, and you're going like, oh, okay, you know, I can do that. But these days you just sort of slide out of bed, make coffee and get on with it. It's like a, a very calm process but it hasn't interfered with the with the energy on stage or anything. It's, that's probably better. But I was gonna that,
0: say, do you think it's made a difference with your voice?
1: Well, I sang everything full out last night without warming up and we were on stage for like- Wow. Maybe an hour 50. And uh, we actually put two extra songs in the set last night just to, because there was no opening act. It was a big theater. So we felt we it to the Audience, to just you know pile in the songs and and you know I got through it without missing a beat. I forgot the words twice because we're doing two new songs, but um you know it's just it's everything is just better, you know it's just better. Are
2: you still, I are I my, I
0: agree with you. I'm 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 coming up on twenty years here actually, uh, well, which wow. is crazy. But but yes, I think life is better, and I think I feel better. I think. You look marvelous. You know, I think I you do. You look great. I think it's.
1: Oh, I, it, it I, I look rugged. I mean, I you know, I mean, I, I'm at that point in my life where you can't really get away with being your age. You you I mean I just want to look a really great version of what I am. I mean, it's like Bill Nighy, the actor. You know? <laughs> I,
0: I love Bill Nighy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, he's certainly been around the block, and he's got that sort of slightly english like uh yeah yeah that slightly
0: guy. english he's so english yeah.
1: oh my well, God. he's incredibly he's, he's just incredible but i mean what are you gonna do i mean i'd rather go out looking elegant and the uh, man of the world than sort of having a lot of surgery and and looking like an idiot
0: oh know? don't don't do it don't ever do it i was don't
1: gonna get my it. lips done you know so, no you're not <laughs> you know, the last thing you know you know like how about the- those
0: women that are like I can't even do it, they have like
1: those. I can't believe women would think that works. I mean, it's the most unbeautiful thing in the world. I was thinking about that before, I mean, how a woman sees herself and then she does that and thinks she looks great. And it's just, you know, it's like, whoa. You know. I think you should
0: write a song about that. I really do. Fat (laughs) lips.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It can be
0: called fat lips.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I love you, baby.
0: But, um,
1: or, or I could so, give you a fat lip. Yeah. Oh,
0: well, no, that wouldn't be good. I'm actually watching know, the Sopranos. I'm watching the Sopranos now. What are you? Are you binging anything while you're on the road? You watching? Oh, are you streaming anything? Oh no, anything?
1: I, I never watch TV really, and you I, don't. I. No, I, I just I watch the news and I read the papers. But I read a lot. I'm reading a lot. I know
0: you read a lot. What are you reading right now? I was going to
1: uh, ask you. Chekhov's short comedic stories.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, and Kim by Rudyard Kimp. Kipling. But the the Chekhov stuff, I mean, I'm not trying to be highbrow. I tried reading The Seagull, and it's a play within a play and it was written over a hundred years ago. And, um, you know, it's sort of like drawing room, existential, whatever. I have no idea what it is, but it's, it's beyond. I mean, I, I did a
0: lot of Chekhov in, in college. Yeah. And you, and speaking of, I was Masha in uh, the Three Sisters. But oh, really? so have you? Yeah. So have you? I remember the last time we spoke, they wanted you to audition for a Broadway show. Is that? Have you ever? Have you acted on stage? Is that something you'd like to do?
1: No. I, I mean, if I could do that, I would do that. I I, I think I could be. You see, the thing is, you'd be being a musician, you write songs about how you feel, and you're right. very, much the, you're very much in the first person, and you're very. Uh, you're able to access your very core when you're writing a song, if you're doing it the right way. But to become somebody else, uh, that's, uh, to me, personally, that's the reverse of being a musician or a songwriter, because you take mm-hmm. other people's personalities. And that's that would be impossible, unless it was a character. I was offered a part in a Broadway musical, zaida yeah. uh, I think, when I was gonna play the villain, you know? And the songs were great, because we were Elton John songs. And then the Ringo tour came up, and I said, okay, I'll do that instead. Um, But as far as, I mean, I love love watching great performances like Denzel or anything. I mean, Macbeth, Denzel, my God, you know? But
0: there's a way to tell your story, uh, like what Springsteen just did and what uh, David Byrne did incorporating their own music, their own story, and putting it on Broadway. I mean, you could do a version of that. Oh yeah,
1: it? you know, I, I think I'm pretty inventive. I could probably construct something. I mean, I've been trying to write, I mean, I keep getting a lot of pressure. There's this biography coming out, film. Uh, I, the
0: documentary, I was gonna ask you about that.
1: Yeah, well, they haven't got a bio for it yet, but it's completed, edited, and ready oh, to go. Fantastic. Film. And, um, yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, um, I thought about writing people that keep coming to me and saying can we have your life story and it's so complex and it's so overworldly to me okay uh, I
0: was thinking about this before we came on the air I meant to mention this to you before but it's not too late now so a friend of mine David Wilde just wrote a book with Ringo which is coming out right now which is just out speaking yeah. of Ringo and David writes with artists. That's what he does. He's had bestsellers. I'm going to connect you with David Wilde. Yeah,
1: he, the um, thing is, the thing I'm yeah. supposed to interrupt you, but I think, no. you know, it's like, you know, written with. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't do that. The nearest I can come to that is to do like an interview, like a, ask me right. a question, and then you print what I say exactly. I mean. Well, I,
0: th- I think you could do that.
1: Yeah, but I don't do want it. to. I don't it to be like my life story. John with with somebody. I mean, I wouldn't do that in a million years. If I'm going to write my life story, I'm going to have to sit down and struggle. I mean, I've I, I've I've jumped in a few times, and if you knew where I came from as a child, it would be you would just be in awe. I mean, it, I mean, tell, it's just
0: tell 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 us a story from your childhood. What, what tell us something that would surprise us?
1: Well, I was raised in a well. Actually, my first memory is um, playing with my cousin Mary at the edge of a carpet that turned into wood by a black and white TV when I was about three years old, I think. And my mom and dad, when they got married, moved into a, uh, they had a garage. My dad was like with his brothers, a garage, you know, they pumped pump gas and fixed cars. And they lived for a while over the motorcycle shop, showroom next door to the garage. And that was my first memory. And then we moved from there to a row of terraced houses at the highest point of my hometown that faced out into the country. So it was cornfields and a gigantic park with a tremendous, like, um, folly in the middle at the Taj Mahal that the industrialist uh, Williamson built for Lancaster. And it had all these lanes that twisted around and and secret observatory and uh, I mean, and a bandstand. It was like the most remarkable place. And I played there as a kid and I played in the cornfields across the street. There's a ruined stable. We had an outside toilet in a stone building. No. Yeah, it's like Charles Dickens. I mean, it was, and you know, my my parents worked hard all their lives. My mom was a nurse, my dad was a mechanic. And they, they moved out of that after about four years um, into a really big house with a big garden and a wall around it. It worked around the clock to get out of that and then sent me to art school. So they really <coughs> pulled out all the stops for me. But I mean, I came from that. So uh, me, it's probably why I relate to country music as much with the storytelling because it was, it was just hard. I mean, it was hard, but it was beautiful. It was working class, but it was also on the edge of the country, you know? So it was all all foxes and hedgehogs and and robins and all sorts of birds. And around the corner from um, the park, down this hill, right outside the front door there's a road and a green, and then the park, and then fields that went down in a valley. You just walked across the street and it was there. But around the corner, was the mental asylum? This is important. Wow. Yeah. Wow! And,
0: Get out of here. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, the Moor Hospital, and um, and uh, my mom was a nurse there for a while, and you would see these people wandering past the front door, and they had big hobnail boots and these clothes that didn't fit, and they were obviously Experiencing a different reality and long, they always seem to have a long Mac, like an overcoat Mac, like the Irish would have, or the d mob you know, when you left the army. And flat caps. And they came from a different world, probably from the 30s and 20s. And they they were extraordinary. And on top of that, you had gypsies knocking on the door. uh, Tramps, you know, who came from Ireland, same thing. There were a lot of people on the road, just wandering through Britain. And they would knock on the door, and they'd say, mom, you got any? You got any knives I could sharpen for you?" <laughs> and my mum would go in the back and find the one kitchen knife and bring it out. And the, the deal was, you could give him a half a crown to see him on his way, and a and a, a sandwich, which was generally just like a, a loaf, you know, big slices of bread with jam in it, and a mug of tea. That was, that was what you're supposed to do is give them something to eat and a mug of tea. And my mum would always give them half a crown. But these incredibly romantic wild figures were right outside that front door. And it would snow and it would be summer and there'd be corn in the cornfield across the street. There would be autumn. Christmas was like Christmas on acid. It was like the most incredible, everything was so insane. At the end of the row of houses, was an ancient Quaker graveyard with um, with a field behind that that used to be the barracks for the troops in Lancaster, Lancaster, King's Own. My grandfather was a a farrier there. He looked after the horses. And
0: was he buried in that graveyard?
1: No, they're just Quakers.
0: Just Quakers.
1: And it was like 16th century or something. It was Jesus. Like, but Everything in my my hometown and around me when I was a kid, I'm winding on here. But it's just, that's why it's so, in, not impossible, but it's certainly, there has have to be a lot of editing to get through it, to make it interesting, because.
0: Well, the right editor can make all the difference in a book. You write, you write the whole thing and then you do a, you edit. Yeah. Do, you, do you know about The Artist's Way? Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way? No. Okay, so it's a book that I'm going to, maybe I'll, I'll send it to you. It's a, it's a fabulous book that you, she prepares you so that you write every day, just for a few minutes, you write longhand. What it does is it, by writing every single day, just stream of consciousness, you never yeah. get writer's block. You can, I've been doing it for 19 years
2: mm-hmm. and,
0: um, and it's how I wrote my book. It's, it just keeps you in flow. And I'm telling you, if you just start to write down your thoughts every day, because you speak. You tell the story. You're very you're very visual. You create very um, keen images that are are beautiful and uh, emotive. So as you are with your art, which I'm going to show you by the way, oh. on loan to me, hello Walden Gallery. Ha, 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 no. I have a John Wayne. And you know I said you a thing, and I said well hung, and you didn't even laugh. Well, no,
2: I <laughs> gotta... come on, well. It is funny. Oh, I know, I mean,
1: it's, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I try to be as polite as possible and I try not to go to, to uh, the dark side with that kind of thing. But that's Snuffy, right? That was Snuffy. Yes,
0: that's Snuffy's and he's, he loaned it to me and he framed it beautifully. And oh, great, it's, though. It's so wonderful. It's It's got a, re- I don't know if you could tell, the frame is 3D.
1: Yeah, no, I yeah, saw yeah. it, I think it's a beautiful job. I'm yeah. I'm very flattered, on it. It's great, yeah. I mean i'm 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 very, very pleased that Snuffy got it too. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's it's pretty wonderful. but but to, okay, so I have too many things. I have too many questions, too many things to ask, but let's stay with this. I, I think you should start writing, John. I think I think if you just put pen to paper, what what Julia recommends, Julia Cameron, is that the first thing you get up when you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is put pen to paper, hand to a paper, not on a computer, mm-hmm. I, I cheat. And uh, just write stream of consciousness what's on your mind that day. And that's how you start.
1: Well, Shane Fontaine, the guitar player, my old friend mm-hmm. is playing on all sorts of things. He's on Masters of War. But he said he was uh, reading a lot of Gurdjieff. Gurdjieff. I, I've never read it myself. But he had the same thing. We'd be on the road together on a plane going somewhere and he'd be just writing. And he, and he wrote something every day. Same thing that you're talking about. Exactly. And yesterday, I was in a Barnes and Noble. And I had this huge, beautiful refill notebook, or this small moleskin thing. But uh, I've got, I've got this. It's you know, it's. Um, there you that, go.
0: Perfect. Well, yeah,
1: I know. But I, I, I'm always thinking on a bigger scale. I was. This is like from. Um, it's that Japanese store. I forget the name of it. But, but all... you love,
0: if you love the what you are write, if you love the, do you have a good pen? Do you have a pen that you love yeah, to write no, with?
1: Yeah, I've, I've got a collection of great pens. I mean, that's something I really love, you know.
0: So, writing with oh, a great pen know, on
1: good it's paper. Good that we talked about it because I'm going to go back to to. I mean, I'm going to use this. I, you know, I've got about two dozen of these, but I'm going to try, you know. try. I'm going to try and say something. Thing about a book. I thought about coming at it more abstract, like starting, you know. Uh, as a child or, or like as a teenager, and then jumping back and forth, just having like, because each section like going to art school or going to London or being a child in a cornfield playing around, they are such cinematic and such-
0: Very cinematic.
1: Yeah, but vivid. And instead of like trying to go and then-
0: um, No, it doesn't have to be linear at all, John. And it also, the secret to writing is writing. So if you just write it all down, then you can figure out what to do with it. I had a great mine is not linear, and I had a great editor help me to assemble it after I wrote. it. You didn't it.
1: write it in sequence. You didn't. I just, did not. Wow.
0: No, I did. I did write it. No, I was flipping all over the place, and then I had an editor help me assemble it in a fashion that made sense. So the story had an arc because even yeah. if you're writing a memoir, you wanted to have an arc and you know all of that. That's so. In- an editor can help you do that, but that's after. The most important thing is putting the words down, just getting it out. I find,
1: you know, I'm so, I'm so, give, I'm so. It's the art student or the painter or whatever, but I, I'm so engrossed in the way something looks.
2: Mm. It's, it's
1: really a strange thing. And I'll be writing, and I'll be looking how it looks, and then if I don't. Do you have good
0: penmanship?
1: Well, yeah. You have yes, I bet you do. It's but yeah. It's not Paddy Smith, I mean, you look at Patty Smith's handwriting, it's absolutely beautiful. It's even yeah. like leading to one side. I mean, I'm a lot more kind of, but it's mine. But that's yeah, it's
0: yours. I. Yeah, yeah. but I
1: mean, it stops me. If I get like two pages in and the way it looks, I can get oh. rid of it. And I, then I go back and think, well, I can't do that. But I oh. find the other day, I went into, into a suitcase looking for something and I had like 20 diaries from my life. And some of them are uh, like torn out of uh, notebooks, like kids' notebooks, and I just <laughs> went with it. And some are in like real diary form, and some are like in blank pages books, all different sizes. So it's just something that seems to have required becoming older. Like it has to look a certain way, but that's bullshit, isn't it? Really, I, I
0: think just... you, I think you have to let that go because if yeah. that's going to stop you from letting it flow,
1: yeah, I think you're right.
0: I think uh, although it's hard that's kind of an OCD th- your own version of an OCD yeah, thing. I have yeah. mine and I could
1: get through that. I mean, yeah.
0: Um, Tony said uh, your words are like sketches and th- 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 for me they're even more than sketches. They're they're they are they're panoramic <laughs> or But um, she asked if you have any siblings. Do you have any siblings? I don't think you do. Do you?
1: A sibling being a child or brother.
0: Uh, 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 no, a uh, sister or brother.
1: I got but a big sister. And he plays the guitar. He, uh, he he owned a building company, Lancaster Building Company. He was uh, he was like a delinquent for a lot of his life. He he was like you know fathered a couple of babies here and there in Lancaster, and um, went, to, went to London and. Uh, uh, went for it. with the. He was a very, very good guitar player. He had the mm. first Telecaster in Lancaster, probably even Lancashire. Yeah. And a the first of Telecaster
0: in Lancaster.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, no, but he's really good. I mean, he puts me to share. No I'm um, kidding. Yeah. And um, he just took up the building company and became hugely successful. And I think he regrets not being on the boards. But mm. at looking at my life, I think he understands how up and down it can be and I think he's glad he didn't do it in his heart but uh he can outplay me seven days a week.
0: Wow yeah. um wow uh <laughs> that's hard to imagine John. I bet he can't out sing you though.
1: No there's only a few that I, th- I would go in the ring with and think you know I might get my ass kicked. As I got Oh, old, come
0: on. Nobody's no. gonna kick your Who do you think uh, would kick you?
1: Well, no. No. I, there isn't anybody that I compete with. That's the interesting thing. No. I mean, the people that I admire greatly, I look at them and I know where I can put them as singers. And there well, are
0: who are some of your favorite vocalists? Well, I know who some of your favorite guitar players are, but I don't know vocalists. Well,
1: I you know, would have to say Paul Rogers just because of free. Mm. I mean, you can't even get close to what free were. Um, I prefer him with free when he was mm-hmm. young, wild, restless, and didn't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> uh, no kidding. I woke up yeah. this morning thinking about a heartbreaker, mm. and I don't know if Snuffy's on that. But Snuffy, your friend, yeah, uh, he
0: was on one, one, I think one free album.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, I think it's heartbreaker though. It's like Seven Angels or something. But uh, but um, Paul, no question because uh, because of free. I mean, I. I think, at that, I couldn't believe it when, I, I just thought we were made from the same mold. Um, I've never really gone after imitating anybody. Rod Stewart, because Rod, his early records <coughs> were just, I mean, he's, there's a line in Handbags and Rags" on his first solo record. And he comes out of the solo, I think it's like an oboe solo or something. And then he comes in and sings, and what becomes of you, my love? when they have finally stripped you of the handbags and the glad rags that your grandma uh, worked to buy you. But the line, and what becomes of you, my love? I mean, you get goosebumps. And he was only like 20 or something. Mm -hmm. And um, he's sung some marvelous stuff, right, in his life, really has, but that, that one line, I take my hat off to him, you know.
0: Um, I, I, I just saw him right before the pandemic started with Jeff Beck. And um because those days, those two together, yeah.
2: Well, uh,
1: but,
2: you know, those but
0: Rod's doing the Vegas thing now. Rod's I, not really rocking I, out anymore. And, well, I
1: think he paid enough shoes. I mean, I know what you're saying. I like Rod personally. He's always got a good word, and he always the last time I played with him, I opened up for him and he stopped the show in his show and said, let's hear it for John Wake. Oh, no, and then he said from the stage, he's as good as Paul Rogers, he's an English great like Freddie Mercury, and then he went on named about Robert Plant. And it and I and I was on the edge of the stage like gobsmacked. Wow. And I, and I thought it was the sweetest kind of thing. I mean, if you'd have told me that Rod was going to say that about me when I was 17, I would have just like said, you know, that's you know, I I, I can be buried after that. I mean, it was just such- <laughs> Then he ran up to me when he was singing. Yeah. A song that threw me a football, and I just looked at it and threw it back to him. But I mean, he's a—he's a—you know—Rods. You take him as you find him. But I, I what he did for music with Jeff Beck, uh, he more or less invented heavy metal. It's very hard for people to remember that, but nobody, nobody was doing what the Jeff Beck group did. And That's so uh, true. Yeah, and. Um, and all the great singers. A lot of my favorite singers are women. You know, what, I mean, who, you. oh well, uh, Bonnie Raitt, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Gladys Knight. Um, my God, I could start with a list. John,
0: how did you fall in love with music? Oh, I I think we talked. I know we talked about the Beatles. Did did you did you fall in love with music from the Beatles? How did you fall in love with music?
1: Well, me, well, um, my cousin Michael was in a ended up being in a band called the Temperance Seven. And they were a big trad jazz band. And he he played the banjo really well. And he played the the big national dobro. And when I was about five, he played me Hank Williams. And he played me Jimmy Rogers and Big Bill Broonzy. And I'd be like five in short pants sitting at his knees watching him play this. And uh, he was an art student. He was very bohemian. In fact, uh, What's that movie about the three brothers that get on a train in, in in an India and they go all the way to find their mother? It's like a it's like a Wes Anderson or whatever. I, uh,
0: I, I, I the Darjeeling Dar what
1: Express about. is it? The Say Dar it L- again. The Darjeeling Express is that the one?
0: I don't know. I know what you're talking about. And I don't know what it's called, but, but yeah, yeah, somebody the movie- out there, tell us.
1: Yeah. At the end of the movie, when the train is going through the Indian countryside,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you hear a song called Champs elysees which is the French version of Waterloo Road. And my cousin Michael was one of the writers on that.
2: Wow. So
1: we're a musical family between my mother playing the piano, my, my dad being a massive classic music fan and musical music fan, and my cousin Michael, my, my brother Joe. I mean, I couldn't move without being hit by music. So <laughs> it's just music. And, and it's good.
0: Did you start singing? Where did it start for you? Did you play an instrument when you were little? How did it start? You
1: no, know, I had a Mickey Mouse. Uh, I had a Mickey Mouse um, uh, <laughs> ukulele when I was a kid. I got This, this uh, it was this Tommy Steele ukulele. It had Tommy Steele written on it, and Tommy. On stage somewhere like a black and red transfer. And it had four strings. My dog has fleas. There were blue strings and yellow strings. And um, I got it for Christmas. I couldn't wait to get it. It was my my idea of rock and roll, Tommy Steele, you know. And about three weeks later, the Tommy Steele transfer fell off it. And I held it up, and it was in the shape of Mickey Mouse. You know, it was Mickey Mouse. It was a Mickey Mouse. Um, um, ukulele, and, he, and as I said before in an interview, that was my first experience of the music business. You know, it was like you think you've got one thing, and it's totally, <laughs> and then it turns out to be Mickey Mouse. So, you know, I mean, uh, so it's been a, it's been a, a, a landscape of huge disappointments and, and great pictures You know, starting at an early age. But I mean, I remember the moment I saw it and thought, fuck, you know, in my five-year-old brand, I didn't say fuck, but, you know, whatever you say when you're five, but, you know, stuck with the Mickey Alex
0: or something. Bolex, yeah.
1: I, I didn't even know about then. But um, yeah, you know. So,
0: so John, I seem to recall you don't read music. So did you teach yourself to play? Did somebody teach you to play? How did you do it?
1: Um, well, I, my brother was always playing the guitar. I mean, it was, we had twin beds in the room where we, where we grew up. And uh, when he hit like 11, he got a, a very cheap Gaia guitar. And then we we moved to this bigger house, I remember him suddenly showing up with a Telecaster a Fender, which is a hugely expensive thing. And somewhere around the same time, Jimi Hendrix came out oh, and that wow. was the end. That was the end for me. That was it. I remember seeing Hendrix on the TV, and that was—I was—that was it. So, instead of following my brother's footsteps in my way, I was thinking, well, if I play bass, I can be in a band with my brother. So I learned the bass, you know, and um, and so you teach yourself that it's a very simplistic in, in, instrument, but you can do so much with it. I mean, you have the great bass players in uh, in jazz and in rock. And you understand, I mean, it's, it is, you can't pretend on the bass. You can't just turn up the volume and, and say, yeah, you know, and play something that sounds like a blues lick. I mean, it's, it's very simple. And what you do with it is a true reflection of what's in you. It's like a mirror. So you, it's only got four strings if you're playing the right bass. And a double bass is beautiful, cello is beautiful. Old I think it. we
0: have a mutual friend, bass player Kenny Aronson. You're aren't you? Oh yeah, I saw
1: Kenny a couple of uh, couple of months oh. ago. Yeah, he was great. He came okay. back. He came back to one of the shows we were playing, and it was just like old times. It was just, he's great. You know, still got it. You know, still got it.
0: Um, so John, you just are putting out today. Uh, yeah. People can can stream Masters of War. Yeah. Uh, and and I know that. I watched you on LinkedIn and Lawrence said, you better accept his LinkedIn request from the yeah, gold. Absolutely. So he said, wait, tell him to, to, to accept my request on LinkedIn. So um, I see your activism. Uh, where did your activism start? Before we get to masters of war, were you, we are of the same generation. Were you an activist back in the sixties? would you, were you, no? Well, I,
1: Adam, I, well my cousin, Michael, uh, went on the Aldermaston March, which was the first anti-nuclear war march in Britain. Uh, the, uh, actually, Rod Stewart went on that. Wow! Yeah, and he went on that, and he had a band the bomb badge, which he gave to me. Little black and white, a beautiful little badge. Wow! And uh, my my uncle Pat, which was Michael's father, founded the peace movement, the official peace movement in Great Britain.
2: Wow. and he was
1: the president's secretary or whatever he was like always on a typewriter but maybe i maybe that's just part that was going on. i never realized that might be an influence but um things are either right or wrong and i think when you see uh you see cruelty or you see something that's so dishonest i'm not one to just say fine you know i mean i always say that's fucked up and If I can be of any, if I can be a voice that can make any kind of a difference, it's a very small thing to me. Me cutting Masters of War, it's intentional to draw attention to to the situation in Ukraine, it really is. But I don't want it to be self-serving. I didn't write the song, it's Bob Dylan. And, okay,
0: uh, well, you were you, I mean, because I listened to it first go around on Freewheel and Bob Dylan, that's my favorite Dylan album. Were you aware of it then or did you become oh, aware yeah. of it later? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe, I, I didn't get Dylan till I was about, um, well, I didn't get Dylan for a long time. My best friend at school had all the Dylan albums up to Nashville Skyline. I remember that and I was 15 then. And it wasn't at a Maggie's Farm was on the jukebox at Ed's Coffee Bar in Lancaster when I was hanging out with the art students before I went to art school. And, I, and my best friend like at school was just completely into Dylan, gone. And there was Hendrix's cover of All Along the Watchtower, oh, but yeah. I never got Dylan. I didn't get Dylan fully till I was on the road with the babies and I was traveling. Ron Stone, my manager at the time, who was working with Elliot Roberts, uh, they represented Neil Young and um, Joni Mitchell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how I met both of them, But and Dylan. But I didn't get Dylan till I was on the first Babies Tour. And I had a little cassette player, like a Panasonic, those mono ones, you know? And I had Blonde on Blonde and Blood on the Tracks. And uh, I think I had Desire. But there were, I remember being, like, in um, Pittsburgh, on the ground floor of some hotel, like a a good hotel, like a a Marriott or something. And I'm listening to this thing and the world stopped. And I don't, I can't, I don't remember what it was. Uh, I was reading Sam Shepard's um, book on the Rolling Thunder tour. So I was definitely interested, but it suddenly, it got me. It might have been ISIS, Mm -hmm. but something just broke through that I didn't get for years. And all at once in that hotel room, I, I thought I understood a tiny bit of what was going on with Dylan. I would never say honestly in a million years I understand anybody. Dylan's particularly hard to read, and uh, he's fairly abstract all the time. But but it was like a, an avalanche of information.
0: So, Masters of War, you you've been you've played this for a few years. This is this isn't brand new to you, Masters of War. You've covered it before. But yeah. are you, you have your little, do you have your guitar? Are you coming up? Oh, while you're grabbing your bottle, how about yeah. grabbing your, your guitar and giving us a little tip? I love your version. And you sent me uh, a zip file a couple of days ago. And when I first started listening, I thought it was Bob. I it, I was like, wait, that's Bob. That's not Bob. Is that a new, is Bob singing this now? No, that's that's not Bob. And it took me a minute to realize it was you. Really? Yeah, it did. It did. It sounds well,
1: great. You know, I... I tried singing it in the studio and it was over-amped, you know? I was going at it in a really angry way.
2: Mm.
1: And then I realized that what made the Dylan version so cathartic, really. I mean, you you understood and passed over into a kind of different realm with him, but it was a very um, cold reading. You know, it was, it, it was like, um, girl from the north country it's like a reading that's like he's looking at a menu and the reason he's doing that is he's not committing in in girl from the north country it's it's like a double whammy it's like he's got this thing where he's just you know tell her i love her it's terrible you know it's really it's great but masters of war it's like contained rage Mm -hmm. as it should be and, and I just went back. I went back in the studio and sang it in one take. And I thought, well, fuck it, if, if that doesn't get it. And then I went away and I came back a couple of weeks later and I was going to sing it again. I think it was like two weeks ago. And um, there it was. I would got it right. Just singing it through once without thinking, you know.
0: I love the video that's on YouTube. Um, I posted it a couple of times. Oh, that's a couple of
1: days for the for the telephone.
0: It was you and, I think it, it wasn't you and Tim, it's you and, and a guitar player. It's Mark.
1: it's Mark. Yeah,
0: and that was just, wasn't it just a few days ago? It was like three days ago or something.
1: It was what? like last week, it was uh, Tom okay. Weir, who masters my records. Uh, he has, he he works with a church. He's, he's like a, and, and he feeds the homeless, and he has these trucks arrived, so they can have showers and and gives them clothes. And there's 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 like benefits he does, like telethons. And he just would. We I was. He was mastering anything, my my EP, and uh, and he he just. I, we were talking about the Ukraine, and we were both of like mind. Like, what the fuck, you know what what can we do that isn't just for show, or you know what can you do that's actually, it isn't like beating a drum and saying you know, some hack woke. Bullshit that gets nothing done. And he called me up the next night and said, "Do you want to do a, a telephone? And I said, "Fuck yeah, sign me up." And four days later, I was in this church downtown. He had a string quartet. He had. Uh, I didn't
0: know about this in LA.
1: Yeah, and uh, this- and it was and uh, 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 Robbie Krieger from from the Doors showed up with his mm-hmm. band. There was some major talent. And we just did an afternoon's uh, performance, just impromptu. And he, and he put it on the internet, and we raised quite a lot of money. But I mean, fantastic. that's why, that's, you know, and that's why I did Masters of War then, but I had it ready to go like two weeks ago, three weeks ago.
0: Well, I, I not only love your your version of the song, but I also love the artwork you did. It's perfect. Uh, for the cover art, but you're not selling it as a single, you're streaming it. So as we were talking about before we went on the air, I really suggest that you do signed uh, a limited run and uh, allow us to buy them and and send that money to Ukraine, you know, and and,
1: uh, we're support
0: you to do that. That would Um, be
1: one way of raising cash. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think whatever happens in Ukraine, if they do I don't. I, it's like David and Goliath. I mean, you have a psycho with with a lot of troops trying to bomb women and children. <laughs>
0: yeah. I yeah. love the video you posted this morning of Arnold Schwarzenegger appealing to the Russians. Yeah. I
1: uh, mean that was that, that was, was very moving. Yeah, It really was. I, I mean, that was uh, that was Arnie. Um, kind of, it wasn't patronizing. It wasn't flag waving mm-hmm. or or drum beating. It wasn't saying you're wrong and I'm right, or let's meet halfway and I won't kick your ass or anything. It was a really solid, uh, compassionate appeal that, that was done uh, to enable the people being addressed not to feel like they were being browbeaten or, or um, blamed. I mean, there's a huge amount of Russians uh, don't want this to be going on.
0: No, and they're being so brave. People, you know, protesting yeah. in Russia. Yeah.
1: Is- yeah, being beaten up in the street by the police,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know?
1: And I have to say, this is a sidetrack, but th- there's been this woke thing where they're banning Tchaikovsky at, at, uh, at, in, in, in music and, and, you know, they're talking about Chekhov. I mean, that's like burning books. I mean, you know, we don't have to be disregarding beauty because it's Russian. I mean, we should be disregarding Putin on every single level, but not the the magnificence of of the Russian people. I mean, they are a magnificent race and they're incredibly intelligent, and they're sophisticated. There's a hard-edged kind of thing that's very, very, you know, Kremlin dangerous. But we had Glasnost only several years ago. You know, Gorbachev. I mean it's, it's just spun around in the wrong direction again as things will sometimes but you know I don't think we should be going out making russian things illegal i think it's bullshit okay.
0: well i agree with you there and i and i love that you use your platform to to speak out on social right to, to to be an activist and i watch you all the time on linkedin and you're doing it the last time you were here we were talking about Van Morrison and Eric Clapton and how they were using their platform as an anti-vax platform. And yeah. you mentioned Neil Young and Joni Mitchell who took their music off Spotify recently because of what was going on with Joe Rogan and, and the things that he was saying. Well, I'll
1: tell you something, because it is an, as a slight so like Masters of War will not be on Spotify. It's yeah. not going on. And mm-hmm. anything isn't going to go on Spotify either.
0: Well, I knew I had a feeling that you would stand that way. I I suspected that. Uh,
1: you know, it's not like making a big statement. We're just talking in the van. We just went for dinner, but uh, you know, if if you spin it, if you um, if you if you not downward, stream, if you stream a John Wayne song, and it a million times, I'll make a hundred dollars. Who the fuck wants to be part of that anyway? No matter what's what, where you stand with. Neil Young or uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, especially Neil. Neil, had made a beautiful speech about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and he's right. And that that just sent me off the edge. But I mean, you know, who's interested in that? I mean, people don't think it through, you know. A hundred dollars for a million strings. That's
0: insane. So, I, and I wanna say if for anyone out there who wants anything, John, his art, his music, it's uh, John Wait, worldwide.com You can get everything, John. Fine. are you, is this Is this the end of a tour? Is this the middle of a tour? What are you doing? Well, Where are you it's,
1: going? It's, we've been out since last July playing gigs and that. Um, but this is just two gigs in the Midwest. I go off to see my mom in England um, in about three days and I come back and then we kick it off again. And going out on a tour with Rick Springfield Sweet. and then at work in August, and we're going to Holland at the end of the year. Do you know, let's talk about you for a bit, you know, because <laughs> you're, you're beautiful and you're more fun than me. I'm on the road and I'm being silly, you know. No, just all right. Fun.
0: How about uh, how about if we switch it up? Will you play something for us? Will you play a little Masters of War for us?
2: I don't know how to play it. Um, All
0: right, you don't have to play Masters of War. Play... Yes, you do. I saw you playing it on the video, but play whatever you want. Play something for us. Maybe something from anything. So, anything you're I'm, new for, I'm, song I'm, EP? I have to
1: play. yeah. I've learned the songs. Uh,
0: okay, forget that. So play Missing You. Play, play anything you want.
2: Every time I think of you I always catch my breath and i'm still standing here and you're miles away and i'm wondering why you left and there's a storm that's raging through my frozen heart tonight i hear your name in certain circles and it always makes me smile i spend my time thinking about you and it's almost driving me wild and it's my heart that's breaking down this long distance line
0: Up here solo, I gotta get back in the. Yeah,
2: I I don't
0: know. It's it's, uh,
1: I I didn't warm up.
0: You didn't need to warm up. Uh, John, how did how I I remember that you wrote that really fast? Where did that come from? What what inspired that song?
1: Uh, I had no idea. I, I, it was really, really, it was about it was against somebody else's uh, uh, instrumental track. They surprised me with it. We were looking for a different song to do a vocal on and he hit the pause button at the wrong time and this track came up that was just like, you know, this thing. And I said, that's great. You know, what's that? And uh, it was a home studio and we put the mic up in the spare room and I, I sang through it once. He didn't record it and I thought he did. I thought it was great. And then I did it again and I got the whole first verse and chorus in one piece. Oh so my
0: God.
1: yeah, but I, I, I was married at the time and I hadn't been home to see my wife for like three months. I'd gone to America to sign a record contract with EMI and everything just caught fire. We went straight in the studio. And um, I think it was about being homesick, you know, and trying to be tough and denial. But it was a very natural, I hadn't any clue that I was... Do you know something? Uh, When I started to sing the lyric against that, I was singing about Wichita Lineman. What? Yeah, and I was singing about Catch Your Train, a song by Free, because that's about telegraph wires and people leaving great distances, like uh, Monument Valley. It could be a phone call from a motel. You know, it's about somebody in desperate straits that's trying to get through it. But the Americana image was, was the distance, you know?
0: Wow, and did, and did you know when you wrote it? Yeah. This is, this is it, yeah.
1: That was it. Every moment in my life as a musician had led to that. And I knew it was number one. And I knew I just climbed over some sort of fence into a different territory. It would never be the same again. I knew that when I was... Wow. I just knew it immediately. My life was completely gonna change. Yeah. Did
0: you, did you know when the babies were happening that that was, did you feel like that was going to be a launch pad for you?
1: Um, well, it didn't really, it didn't really succeed. Everybody, everybody thinks the babies were bigger than they were. Yeah. We, we were very popular, but we didn't sell a lot of records. We were on a small label. And that was the problem. We could never, We I don't know how they did it, but um they just didn't put the records in the stores and people were showing up to buy it and then they would show up at the shows so we were massive on the radio and we were very very popular on the road but um we didn't sell as many records as would have put us over the top you know
0: mm-hmm. but then you had bad english and that was a whole put a lot
1: of things right yeah that was yeah. you know yeah. huge yeah
0: so and and how did you uh, how did you connect with Alison Krauss? Who, by the way, um, David Wilde, the writer I was talking to you about, who just wrote a book with Ringo, he introduced her to Elvis Costello. As oh, a matter okay. of fact, because he writes the Grammy Awards, he he's the writer. Anyway, so how did you connect with her? And so country music was something that you always.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, um, I, I my my mother and her sisters that was their music, especially my auntie Pat. And um, my auntie Doris gave me a record player when I was a kid, because we had no money. And there was like singles in there that were country singles and acoustic singles. Brenda Lee, Everybody Loves Me But You, what a beautiful song. And I was only like five and had a crush on Brenda Lee. But it was like, you know, very broad Jim Reeves, you know, uh, country pop. Because that's what it was, it was incredibly pop. Even Hank Williams, you know, move it on over, and you know, this silly. I never
0: think of that music being in England. It's that's my boggling Yeah, it was very
1: rare, but, and it came over with the armed forces. It wasn't like it came over like on the ships that came from New York. They brought singles with them, the the, the sailors, and um, you could. There was no radio. It was Luxembourg, and Luxembourg was aimed at the U.S. troops stationed in Germany. And they would play Elvis and they would play uh, Perry Como, or they would play Hank Williams. They would play what the American servicemen would would listen to when they were eating their lunch back in Kansas, you know. And if you were looking up to, to tune in Luxembourg, you would hear all this music. But I mean, um, yeah, country music. What was the question? I've been rambling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Is I don't it, know, something about country. Oh, yeah. now yeah, my sister, my mother's sisters, but I, I came to it very naturally. It was just like my cousin Michael playing me all these. So he played me Hank Williams when I was like five on this big And so what, what
0: got you into pop? What what was the first thing that got you into pop? Because I don't think it wasn't the, the Beatles were a little bit later for you. So yeah. what, what was the first thing that what brought you to pop?
1: Well, this is unbelievable. But there used to be a thing on TV called Six Five Special, which just means five past six. And that's when I was about to go to bed and let me stay up. They give me a bath in front of this tin bath, you know, in front of the fire and would watch Six Five Special. But there were things like the Dallas Boys. There were like five guys in sharkskin suits singing really corny vaudeville kind of, you know, 50s songs. And Adam Faith, you know... Tommy right. Steele. Tommy Steele, Little White Bull, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> and Cliff Richard. And then through Cliff Richard came the Shadows, his, his backing band. And the Shadows had Hank B. Marvin, the guitar player. And my God. You know, it's if you listen to the Shadows first record. I mean, it's just incredible. The production, the guitar playing, the bass playing, Jet Harris, the whole thing. My, it was the first record I ever bought was an EP called Shadows to the Four and my brother and I, it was an EP and I, we put in like four shillings each, which was put in my life savings. And, and I don't, yeah.
0: How much is four shillings? I don't know what four shillings is.
1: Uh, well, it would be like uh, 20p because uh, 10p was like, you know. So how
0: many, how many cents is that? How many dollars oh or cents is that? Well,
1: really, I, the price of the dollars changed. so. Well, I
0: know, but like approximately, is that a lot? Is that a lot of money? Is that a, a tiny little bit amount of money? Oh no, no, it's a couple of dollars.
1: A couple you know. of dollars. But uh, yeah, and records were expensive mm-hmm. and you had to really save up from, you know, but the shadows, that was the first thing I, I- So
0: Tony just reminded me, the question before was, how did you meet Alison Krauss? Thank, thank you, Tony. Oh, there
1: you go. <laughs> um, well, um, I was making a record in Nashville. I was living in Nashville in a hotel and I was making a record and um, I, I, I was doing a few covers of my own songs to put out on a, just a special release to remind people I was still out there.
0: Hmm. And um,
1: It got to Missing what,
0: what year was this?
1: Uh, 10, 10, 11 years ago. And um, you had
0: to remind people that you were still out there.
1: Yeah. Wow. I, you know, I've, I've spent some time in the wilderness here. Uh, I'm not exactly a household man. So I was just gigging where I could and putting music out. I wasn't like, you know, established really. Not really. But anyway, um, I,
0: I'm i going to argue that with you. But anyway.
1: But I like it. But, uh, but I, I, um, I got to missing you and I couldn't think of anything else to do with it, but just re you know, re-sing it. And and I thought I'd do a duet. And I was in Nashville and I used to watch Alison on the American Music Channel with New Favorite, you know. And um I thought she was really something. Mm. And I asked my manager to <clears throat> call her manager to see if she'd do it. Do a duet. I mean, it was like a it was like asking. I don't know, I took it very seriously. And a, a yes came back. And then the day of recording, I was like in, in a record store buying secondhand country records.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she drove past, she drove past. And I'm stood there in the street with like like Luke the Drifter thinking I just scored a great, you know. <laughs> and she pulled up and says, hey, how are you doing? You know, she was doing this country thing and she does uh, to make me laugh see you later at the studio and I, I started laughing and she was laughing and her son, Sam it was only about this big, he was in the back climbing over the seat, it was a charming way to meet her but um, I met her the, the next day uh, the later that day and we just sang it and um, went back the next day and did it again just to make sure it was right and they, that's that was it
2: Love it.
0: So uh, so let's talk about the Beatles for a bit because not only did you grow up with them as we all did, but you have played with one and, uh, and that was an interesting experience. So what the Beatles came to you before they came to us, right? We saw them on Ed Sullivan in 1963. When, when, when did the Beatles get
1: introduced to you? Um, again, uh, it was just very unnatural. I mean, I remember being in that cottage watching TV, and there was, uh, I think it was called People and Places,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was on at 6.30 at night. And they, they came on and they played, please, please, please me. Black and white TV, you know, very bad, drainy reception. And they were all <laughs> very, like, I think, either black suits, bad haircuts, you know. Very small. bad
0: haircuts. Oh, yeah, it was before, sure. it was before, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. They were just about to get the thing going completely, but they didn't, <laughs> yeah, they, they hadn't quite got it down. But uh, and then about two weeks later, they came back and did, um, I think Love Me Do in reverse order, I think it was. But I saw it, I saw it like as a little kid, maybe seven, you know, on, on their first TV appearance. I actually switched on the TV and saw it. And it was like, zang, you know, it was like, Jesus Christ. And I was like seven, but I got it. They were from the Northwest. I was from the Northwest. They were working class. I was working class. They were stupendous. You know, they were everything at once all the time. It was just like unstoppable tsunami of brilliance, you know.
0: How I assume you've seen Get Back. I trust that you've watched Get Back. Have you watched Get Back?
1: no i haven't actually
0: john it is it makes me cry to think about it it's it's brilliant it is to see that whole process and to see how it starts and where they start and to watch them come back together as brothers and fall in love with each other again and then it it culminates with that con that rooftop concert and it is it's thrilling I cannot recommend it more highly oh, to you it's wow. thrilling to watch but also you know it's really hard to watch because there's all the there's all the the yucky stuff that was going on behind the scenes yeah. to get there but it's really brilliant and, back- and ringo ringo through the whole thing is Switzerland which is really fun to watch so so how did you connect with Ringo and how did that happen that you got that tour and was it surreal as hell to be playing with a beetle
1: I yeah no, I was it was like you know It was, it was all very unreal. Seven weeks of just being like, you know what, what's going on, you know? (laughs) How did
0: that come to you?
1: Well, uh, I, you know, um, his manager called my manager at the time and asked if I'd be interested. And I was supposed to, I just told you the the, the Aida thing on Broadway. I had the choice of doing that or doing the Ringo thing. They asked me if I'd do it. And I, I thought for it, I thought, well, you know, how can I not go and play with Ringo? It's like completing a circle, you know. Even you just get to say hello. And I said, "I'll take Ringo." I'll go. And one day I was in the bathtub, you know, it's about noon, and uh, the phone rang, and I let it go to the answer machine, and it was, "Hello, Johnny, it's Ring." You know, How are you there, man? You know, and I, I jumped out of the bathtub, picked it up, and uh, I said, "It's me, yeah." And we talked for like, you know, five minutes. And he's a great guy, very friendly, down-to-earth, funny. And um, and then it began, you know, I'd, I'd like four months before the tour started and I slept through the bass guitar. I I didn't, all I did all the time was play bass. And when wow. you find out who you're on tour with, you know, the Paul Carrick, you know, you had to play all those really wonderful- Oh, right, songs.
0: you had to play their hit there. Yeah.
1: And I'm a bass player from the babies, but I only ever played bass on my own songs, really. And I wrote them all. So it was very easy for me to play my own stuff and be outstanding. But I mean, uh, to go and play with Sheila Ree, she'd have preferred Bootsy Collins, you know. It would have been a a blacker style, you know, that kind of. And I'm more like Andy Fraser or like more that British bass player, Ronnie Wood, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's my style. So there was definitely... tension because people wanted it to be like their records. Mm. You know? Um, and uh, what's that Paul Carrick song?
2: I packed a toothbrush.
1: Squeeze.
0: Oh, oh uh, tainted by the fruit of another. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that's asymmetrical. I mean, it doesn't go around the same time twice. I think it was written on a keyboard. Really? yeah because it, it's like um, it doesn't
0: go around the same time twice really
1: yeah, no, well no because like you know tempted by fruit of another tempted by this girl but you know there's different notes in each chorus huh. or like a progression goes off it's mm-hmm. it, it's very brilliant songwriting but to learn that you know and then learn you know glamorous life you know He's supposed to be playing like Bootsy Collins. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. and Ringo's songs are incredibly simple. Right up my street being British, you know.
2: Um,
0: (laughs) And uh, How how was he as a band leader, as the leader of this gang? Oh,
1: well, if you didn't like it, he'd tell you. You know, it was, uh, it's his band and we all knew it. You know, we all just Mm -hmm. like, well, what do you think of that ring? And if you didn't like it, go away and think about it and come back with something else. It was all respect. But I mean, uh, you know, honestly, he played with Paul McCartney. So going into it, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not gonna what be What kind
0: involved. of bass did you play? Oh well, I had
1: a, I had uh Hoffner, my friend at Hoffner, uh Rob, he uh he gave me three Hoffner basses, violin Ooh, bass. Oh
0: nice.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> And I got myself a, a, a beautiful custom shop, um, Fender jazz bass. It's, it's, uh, I played on um, Masters of War, actually. Great bass. And uh, I, just, I took about seven basses with me. You know, I had short-scale, Dan Electro stuff, Jerry Jones, you know. But I mean... Um, I just tried to come to the table with everything I had, because like- Did I... you
0: play that funky bass? Which will he was in my living room, performed in my living room. Did you, did you play, did you play the Nancy no. Collins funky bass? I can't, for... do, I can't do that
1: shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, I, you know, the only bass player I can think of that's white, that plays like Katie
0: that. Kenny Aronson can play like that, by the way. Does he? Yes, he does. He can he I... play slap bass and funky bass, like, yeah.
1: I didn't i didn't realize that i've always seen yes, him like you missed it like really down
0: Mm-mm-mm. but i was gonna
1: say flea flea was that mm-hmm. he was born to do that you know he's yeah. yeah. Uh, but um i mean what do you expect
2: look at me <laughs> i'm
0: pretty. so all right so i know there's a great story and for those that weren't here the last time you were on that that when you were playing with ringo and you were in new york and you were outside of Rockefeller center you oh, ran yeah. into somebody you ran into somebody. Tell us that story. I love that story. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't easy. You know, the whole tour was kind of rough. And I'm like up against it, trying to like do my best for everybody plus Ringo. I mean, it's a very mm-hmm. tall order, right? And I'm walking down the street and we're at Radio City that night. And um, I've got my head firmly pointed in, at my shoes, you know? <laughs> Deep in thought with the weight of, weight of the world on my shoulders, you know?
0: That's how everybody walks around in New York, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, that's just yeah. the way
1: to go, you know? It's great, <laughs> washing your shoes. And I, I looked up, and there's Paul McCartney uh, walking towards me about 100 feet away with Heather Mills. And uh, I saw him, and uh, I, I, I probably stopped breathing for a second. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know? Another beetle, you know? Like, I'm carrying He's this, gone. like, like, like a Monty Python sketch. And you know, I'm carrying the world around going like, I've got to get that part right for Ringo, and I've got to do this thing for Sheila. And I've got to... And there's Paul McCartney. And oh it was God. like... And we we got closer and closer and he's looking at me and I'm trying not to recognise him. Like, you know, 57th Street, oh, that's great. You know. And um, and he looked at me, we drew even. And he looked at me and he raised his eyebrow like, you know, how are you doing? And <laughs> I just... I went like, you know, you know, I just kept walking. I couldn't, I I hadn't got the mental <laughs> capacity to deal with two beetles in one day. You know, I honestly and I look, <laughs> I hope he didn't take it personally. I think he knew, but uh, but it was like, you know, I was, you know, it's yeah, I just kept going. But uh
0: you know, that probably happens to him quite a bit though, where people just think? are oh yes, because. It's Paul McCartney. It's just too big. It's too much. Yeah, there
1: is that. You know, and maybe people just look at it and go like, no, I can't do that. But he's uh, he's extremely, uh, he's pretty, you know, he's a real down-to-earth guy. And he's, I think he prides himself on just being really available. You know, I would say he was, you know, he would start a conversation. He's going back out on the road again, you know. He's going to do a three-year tour
0: yes uh, a three-year tour
1: yeah the big mac he's going out for for wow. uh, three years
2: it's wow
0: a, yeah um wow I, I saw him finally about 10 years ago and i was not a wings fan i was a beatles fan but boy did he win me over being just a paul mccartney fan. it was one of the greatest shows ever he's you know somebody
1: said that to me once that went he said you go thinking you're going for the beatles and then when he unleashes the wings stuff you just have to just recalibrate what you think not
0: about. only john when you see get back it was so shocking to me because i i was i was always a little resentful of paul of everything that i'd heard that he was such a control freak and yeah. you know all of that stuff and that he you know he wasn't great to george you know he didn't let george put enough of his yeah. music on but when you watch this get back you see that without paul That record never would have gotten made. That whole thing never would have happened. I mean, he, John got credit for writing a lot of music that he didn't touch back.
1: Yeah, no, I've heard that. I've heard that. I mean, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And almost when people talk about Beatles chords, they're talking about John. Mm -hmm. I am the walrus and all that stuff where he's got lots really strange. I mean, Julia and God and... uh, working class, I mean, where he goes on the guitar is a lot like what Neil Young did for me. It's like, it's got this incredible thing. But McCartney is just the ultimate musician. You know, he could have made a living writing show tunes or writing pop songs or writing classical music. He was that, he was from that mold where I think uh, Lennon was just so fucking angry and, so full of soul and so sensitive underneath everything, he had to have an out, a, a way of getting that out, and that was music, you know. Whereas Paul, that all
0: comes out too in Get Back, by the way.
1: Yeah, I saw, I saw all it. of
0: those shades of John, all of those shades, the the sensitivity, the cover. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I
1: interrupted John. No, no, I was. I mean, that's my point. I mean, the two sides of the same coin, but one's kind of like wants to see the world go up in flames and hates everything and yet finds love at the end of it. And one of them is been raised around a lot of children like Paul. He's great with kids. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a, is a lovable kind of guy. And he's like, he has no, he's not angry, you know, where mm-hmm. Lennon is seething. You know, he's just fucking, he, he sees what's wrong with everything. I mean, can you imagine writing something as, as sort of a, uh, as ahead of its time as there's a place he's talking about the back of his mind like being high right and the road with the Beatles ended really musically for him in what he brought to it all people might argue with this with revolution number nine where the whole thing kicks off I think it was meant to be tagged on revolution and go from revolution into that soundscape so it took you somewhere abstract but he on, on the double album, which was loaded with all these beautiful, beautiful it's probably the best Beatles album after Revolver. But uh, he, he had this thing where he's, he's trying to like put sound together and samples and loops, and, and it was art. And he went as far out as you could get. That's where it stops being music. It actually stops, He takes it out so far, it stops being what it was when it started off. And you can go and listen to Revolution Number Nine and really enjoy it. And Paul pleaded with him to leave it off the album.
0: <laughs> you Are know. you friends with Will Lee? Do you know? I'm sure you must know Will Lee. Oh yeah, and Will Lee. So Will has 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 uh the Fab fo- the Fab.
1: We were talking about him last night. Yeah.
0: And and Will uh, and they did Revolution Number Nine. He spent his honeymoon. Getting every single note and every single sound exactly as, and they duplicated it. I saw them do it in concert. Yeah, we chose uh, with
1: Jimmy. Yeah, crazy. We talked yeah. about them last night. We're in uh, in the dressing room, I think. But how how the Fab Four they go after every single note, being absolutely yeah. perfect.
0: And they did Revolution Number Nine, which is how I mean.
1: You, yeah, you said I it took.
0: Out, you know, I can't imagine the time that it took to duplicate Yeah, that. no,
1: that's that's really. That's, that's something, you know?
0: And so also I, I heard somewhere, you mentioned Carmine Rojas, another uh, mutual friend, and y- your Bowie, uh, you had you had dealings with Bowie himself. You did, yes? Yeah. What, what, what was that, when did you- Well, meet? no, I mean, he,
1: he kind of took my band. I mean, I, I had Carmine Rojas and I had Alan Childs, uh, who's with, playing with me at the moment, he played last night. Um, but Bowie wound up with a lot of the people that I...
0: Oh, wait a minute. They were playing with you first?
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's New York, you know, it's a small scene, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that would probably happen anyway. I mean, Carmine is a fantastic bass player. and, and Alan, They were in my band. And then suddenly they were in Bowie's band. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Rod Stewart. Took two of the babies, you know, immediately when they broke up. I mean, it's just we have the same friends and, and sometimes they poach you, your players, you know, it's just, they can... And the
0: sensitivity, a similar sense of sensibility yeah.
1: also. Yeah. Yes. And the, yeah, yeah. The same approach, but Bowie invited me to, um, to, um, to witness his show. It was in Berlin, I think. And he, uh, he had Carmine come and get me. And they put me on one of the lighting rigs by the side of the stage, looking down at David, about 20 feet away, glass spider to him. And they gave me a bottle of wine. I saw the glass. And, heart, out, heart. Yeah. and uh, they did the show, and I clapped and stamped my feet. And, and then um, he used to hang out at the China Club. You just say hi, you know.
0: You know, I was a promoter at the China Club, but yes, did you did you play with him there? Did you jam with him? What happened?
1: No, I didn't. I just you know said hi and you know thanks for getting me on. It was it was, a, it was you know he was very approachable. I mean, all these gr- people that you talk about. I mean, I actually jammed with Stevie Wonder.
0: Okay, you know. I was going to ask you to tell that story. Please tell that story.
1: Oh, it's embarrassing, really. You
0: know. No, you have to tell that story.
1: Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. um, yeah. I was it in the makes family.
0: it makes you human and humble. Yeah, and humble. It's yeah.
1: good. Like my God. but um, yeah. No, he was there, Stevie, and I. I think I was. At that, at that point, I was listening to the front, front line. It was one of my favorite songs And Stevie walked in. I mean, Stevie, <laughs> in a Visions. you know.
0: In, in a Visions song, is my favorite Stevie Wonder. Woman. Oh,
1: yeah. Songs of the yes. key of life, you know. I mean, just about everything he does is yes. just, it's the best it's ever going to be, you know. And he was there. And I, I walked, he was sat at a table with his manager. And I, I walked up and said, hey, Stevie, it's John White. Uh, I have this song that you may have heard. You know, he said, oh, yeah. yeah. You know did this thing that he does you know <laughs> and he said, yeah and I said do you want to get up and sing one you yeah, know we could have a jam I said yeah all right and next thing I know we're all headed for the stage and Stevie gets up gets behind the keyboards the band uh you know they just go they're kind of like in shock and there's me and Stevie on stage and we go into superstition you know bring think 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 ding, it ding, did ding, 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 ding. Yeah, superstitious, you know? And he goes, take it, John. And I went completely blank.
0: (laughs) Oh God, I can't even imagine. Oh Oh my, you must have been mortified.
1: Oh, well, you know, I a sense of humor. (laughs) They have, um, no, I'm cocky, you know, I I know, (laughs) I know. I know, I, I could realize that it could be somewhat charming. Because you're such an idiot not to be able to jump. But I was still in awe, Stevie. I was just watching him play, uh, but I didn't expect to take it, John. So and, what'd you do? Yeah, no, take it back, Stevie. No, not now. <laughs> and um, but it was wonderful to meet him. He was great, you know, a really great guy.
0: You know, Snuffy played on a, a Stevie song, um, an album also, and I'm trying to remember which. But in it, uh, Stevie says, "Play it funky, Snuffy," or something like that, right on the song and on the track. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Wunderlove.
0: Yeah. 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 So, so, you've had. You've had quite the life. You've
1: you've, yeah, I do. Yeah,
0: uh, you need to write this down, John. You need to start putting this to paper. Well, I think if I took
1: a year off, you know, I took a year off and, like, painting. You know, did it really seriously. I don't know if I could do it with this much movement, but knowing me, being sober, you know, anything is possible. I mean, it's just like if
0: you just sat down when when you get up in the morning or whatever time you get up and you sat down and you just. I wrote my book just committing to five minutes a day, and then whatever I did on top of that was, was gravy. But I committed and to five minutes a day, and I didn't miss a day. Period. Yeah, and but, that way.
1: But New York is, is largely situated in that sort of New York
2: mm-hmm.
1: moment, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Whereas
1: my story, coming from England, and then coming as a small kid from life over a garage, you know, like two feet tall. Watching Hank the Cowboy on a black and white TV, to a country cottage, to uh, suburbia, to art school, to London. But that's
0: why you have to write it because you have yeah. all of these experiences. But it's
1: going to be that... like a thousand pages. I mean, it's it's you couldn't.
0: Uh, no, because you'll work with an editor when it's done. After you finish getting why. it all out.
1: There's too much. There's too much detail in it. I mean, it, to get it right. To describe my four years at art school, there's about 400 pages there and I'm not kidding.
0: Well, but you have to make it palatable for the reader. I mean, and maybe it will be, maybe it's a thousand page book, who knows? Maybe it's an epic book, maybe it is, but you wanna keep moving the story forward. You you wanna give people a taste of everything. You don't have to, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know either,
1: you know, like your book, I could tell that you had the talent to write, and it flowed. It would, you know, I, I went with you. It was very easy to follow you through your personal relationships and New York, and all. That. I mean, because we spent the same time frame there. But I, I got it right off the bat. But if you were reading about a childhood in the English countryside, and then winding up uh, top of the charts in America, and that's then- a hell
0: of a story that needs to be told. It's yeah, but well, all- you know.
1: You know, all the drugs and the sex and the bad deals, and the sort of like the of it,
2: yeah,
1: but, the, but the you know, don't you think, Vicky? Vicky, don't you think that there's like uh, the truth and then there's the real truth? And if you wrote the real truth, you
0: have it, to write the real you truth. truth, you have to write the real truth,
1: yeah. But the real truth, if you're going for it, is pretty dark.
0: You, that's okay, people will follow you, a lot, you a lot
1: of violence. Process. A lot of sex, a lot of drugs. Oh, I like, wait.
0: I want a violent story. What do you mean? A lot oh, I don't of mean it, like,
1: me... I don't mean it like. But I mean a violent life, like like it was kind of like you. you well, maybe it did get violent occasionally. But I mean like, it, none of it was easy, and none of it behind the scenes is that glamorous. You you know, it's very isolated. And but that's whole... what we
0: want to know. We want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. I want the real story. I don't. I'm I don't
1: sure wanna... I want to know the truth about myself. I think we live with ourselves in a way that we can live with ourselves. We, we edit the past and and paper over the cracks so that we can have some dignity. We
0: do. We rewrite history, don't we? We do. We do.
1: We do. We do. We do. We do. Otherwise, it would be, you know, you couldn't live with it. I
2: don't think
0: And so. so with your art, John, let's talk about your art a little bit. You have a very unique style, a very specific. I can always tell a piece of your work. Um, yeah. It's it's it, No matter what, it, I love the stuff that you do. That's textured. Like, how did you do the 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 single cover for Masters of War? There's like a there's like it, yeah. it looks like. What, what what did you do? How do you create that?
1: Well, I I got a I got a massive plastic canvas that uh, uh, it had a picture of New Orleans on it uh, from Goodwill, and I, I dragged it home, whitewashed it, and then went at it. And I was gluing bottle caps and and uh, I, I, I got this. It's a stirrer and I'm going to put it in my pocket from the hotel because that could go on a like a collage, you know.
2: And right.
1: you, you end up collecting bottle caps and pieces of fabric. And as you're painting, you can add these things in and it gives it, uh, it, it transcends, it, it's more than paint then. It's, Absolutely. it's like, it's almost like a, a collage. And, but I remember throwing sand onto the paint. Wow. I mean, I had the face going and I, and I threw, well, well the paint was still really wet and it gave this incredible texture uh, that you wouldn't expect. And you would be able to put your hand in front of the face and then throw the sand. And it would keep the face uh, clear of that kind of texture. There's tricks you learn as you work with different medium, uh, like that, you know, applying something like, I was stood next to a flower pot on my balcony, upstairs, one of the balconies in my place, at the back, and I just reached in and threw it on. I
0: really and, love this.
1: And it works, you know, I mean, but it's like a conversation with a stationary thing. They can't talk back. <laughs>
2: but, yeah.
1: But, <laughs> but you are you are, that you are in fact talking to yourself
0: do you have a, a, do you have is there a place where like i want to see this work i want i want to see the 3d not just the stuff that's two dimensional do you have do you do you show in galleries how no how can we, no. You need a show, John. You have to write your book and you need a show.
1: <clears throat> well, if I had you know, 10 or 12 pieces that I thought were good. I mean, I thank you so much for being kind about the work. I mean it. But, but I mean, uh, thank you. I do. I, I really think it's lovely of you. But I mean, I, um, the only thing I've done so far that I really liked, that I thought was worthy of going out, is the cover of Master, Master of War.
0: I love it. When, yeah, did, you I, do, when did you do that?
1: Uh, about three months ago. I just used it, I was looking for an image and that was it. But I destroyed it, you know, I- um, What do you mean you destroyed it? I destroyed it. I kept painting over it to try and get it to go somewhere else. And in the end, all the stuff that I put onto the canvas became blurred and, and, and uh, the sharpness of the images and the textures disappeared. I used the wrong paint. I used household paint instead of using um, the paint that I was using on the original painting. I just I just thought it would work the same, but there was too much paint and it destroyed the image. So I just tore it up and put it in the trash, really.
0: Oh but, my Lord.
1: Yeah, but you know, don't be don't it's now gonna be all over the world as the cover of Masters of War. So, I'm gonna
0: say again, I'm gonna encourage you again make 100 copies, sign them, sell them that way. Yeah. Give the money to the Ukraine, take out what it costs you and I give the any, money to Ukraine. Yeah. I lo- I want one, I wanna frame it, I wanna put it on my wall.
1: That's lovely. And I think I'm gonna take, we actually talked about it, me and Tim, before. Um, yeah, you have some good ideas, you know? Just a few.
0: I, I actually have a business that I, a logo that I made for a business I haven't started, kind of, called In Solution. And it's all about just what's the solution to, uh, get writing. Get this thing made I'm, i'll be i'll be like your little jewish mother screaming in your ear telling you all the things
1: that's, one thing, that's one thing missing for my life is a jewish mother <laughs> you know you know you know that's what i need probably
0: it comes with chicken soup so that it's, it's worth yeah, it.
2: For
1: that jewish penicillin yeah that's right
0: it comes with that john i love you so much i just adore you i feel like i've known you my
1: whole you, you know whole i feel life. the same way i mean you've caught me on the road and i'm kind of like whoa. There's so much going on, uh, but it's great to see you. You know, you look It's great, great to see you Love too. You.
2: Thank you.
0: And you know, I I I don't move the show for anybody. Anybody.
2: Sorry, but, about that. I was. But you know what? I was you're in. Worth it.
0: it. You're no, worth waiting you. for. <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank awful. But um, I'm serious. When you come back to town, Lauren Gold is going to kill me if we don't have lunch and Snuffy, and we're going to go have lunch when you come back to town.
1: I would look, you know, I woke up this morning singing a couple of songs that I'm sure the, are the ones with three that Sluffy played on. So I think it's probably meant to be that me and Sluffy are going to hang out somewhere down the line. And what it'd be it good is. to see you and just sit down. Or, as you said, one of your soirees, you know, just... Uh, you know,
0: I don't know when I'm getting back to you. So, all right, before we go, let's talk about that a little bit. You are not COVID weary anymore. You are back to life as it was. You don't... Did you... Have you had COVID? Did you ever get it?
1: no. I had a headache about two weeks ago and my girlfriend was she got like a headache as well and she said to me do you think we had COVID but I'm I'm double vaccinated and I'm, I've got the booster and uh, I don't know anymore they're saying but, that you, but
0: you but you don't wear a mask you're out there you're oh just...
1: no I, I I when I you when you fly you have to wear a mask right.
2: mm-hmm. but
1: if I don't have to wear a mask I don't I mean it's I'm I at this point If I'm gonna get it, bring it on. I mean, I just, I'm sick of it.
0: Are you still doing meet and greets after your shows and stuff? You're still talking to people?
1: Yeah. There's a point where you can, you just have to, I mean, it's only life. You know, as Dylan said, it's life and life only. You know, I mean, it's like, why worry that much? If you're going to be on a motorcycle and you've got, you know, you're doing 100 miles an hour and you're going into a turn, you might as well see what's at the other side of the turn. You know, I mean- I think
0: James Dean said that too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The last thing he said was he's bound to a penis, you know, his famous last words. But I mean, you have to live. And and I think I've just spent like maybe a year and a half locked away and enough, you know, if, uh, if I hit the wall, so be it, you know. Um, the it's kind of inspiring
0: about, me a little bit. I, I've been trying to decide what to do about this. If I'm well, gonna get back you know, to living. it
1: depends if your your health is good. You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. find that I'm I'm kind of bomb-proof. You know, I come from really hardy stock <laughs> and I'm, that's why I'm still here.
0: Well, we but both I, have mothers who've survived quite a bit.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. That's mm-hmm. yes, where you're... I think there's a certain type that can can actually contract... COVID or whatever, and it's going to just bounce off them. They're going to be okay. And there's other people that maybe not as quite resilient, and Mm -hmm. they're going to go down, you know? And um, you can't think that far ahead. I've done that for a year and a half with COVID, and it's had as much of my time as it's going to have. I'm going to go out there and play as much music as I can. And if I drop they're doing it, so <laughs> be
0: but you're still pro-vaccine and you're still oh, going to encourage people to do that
1: and to absolutely i mean anybody that says don't get vaccinated there's something wrong with them yeah you know I, I still don't get that like you know it's my right to say no you selfish bastard you get it and you're going to walk around and give it to other people but you know it's your right not to get it's like a human human choice you know a, mm-hmm. a choice in society to to do the right thing you know? I
0: totally agree. All right. Yeah. So before I let you go, which it's very hard to do, let we me tell freeze. you, between your, oh, oh yeah, we are, you're frozen. Why are you frozen? Wait, are you still there? John, are you there? Oh no. Are you gone? John? Oh no, you're frozen. Ah, oh, here you are. Wait, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Is your sound on? Ah, no, John, I can't hear you this time. I don't think it's me. Check your, check your, uh, your. Yeah. Oh, go now ahead. I can hear you. I was just gonna ask you to play something before you go. Um, Wait. No, I'll pick up that guitar i was gonna say it's very hard to let you go because you are easy on every on the eyes on the ears on the soul oh You really are. it's it's really lovely to spend time with you i feel oh, extremely you're joyful God. right now
1: no you're beautiful you're actually beautiful Thank i'm looking you. like peter or before the last
0: no don't no anyway Play us something uh, play us something to take us out. and um, um, and I think you should write big lips also. but anyway, um, thank you so much for making the time. I love
1: you, this. you're the nicest person. I am thrilled to be on the air with you and and God bless you. And thanks for all the support. And I That's loved great. your book and anybody who wants to know about how great the Aces were in New York, traffic. <laughs> book. It was an education thank you, John. What can I play? Oh, he's gone. Tim, whatever what? you want. I don't know, what would you like to hear?
0: The last time you were here, you played a Donovan So How about playing a Beatles song? I don't know.
1: It's, uh, I don't know.
0: I don't know. How about playing a John Wayne song?
1: I don't know any. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, you know, I can play other people's songs. I didn't expect to play a guitar anyway, but I could play a Beatles song, I <laughs> The first time
2: that <laughs> I saw you, yeah, I can do that, I said first. <laughs> Me and baby, we're going out tonight, she's gonna treat me right. Oh, yeah. Wind sugar, we've got it all so Baby, first my loving cup. We're going in first. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Oh, John. I adore you. I cannot wait to meet you in the flesh in person without a mask on and sit down and uh, have some tea or something.
1: Well, I, let's count on it. You got my info and I've got yours and I'm back. I'm back in a th- couple of weeks and then I think we've got a couple of weeks off and then we hit it hard. So,
0: okay, maybe- well, before you hit it hard and please have a wonderful time with your mom and oh, uh,
2: Thank you. a I safe will-
0: and, and healthy trip. And yeah, I look forward to
2: next time. Thank you very much. I love you. See you soon. Stay well. you You too. Bye.